God's good. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Stand with me for the reading of the Word. Amen. This morning I want to share with you just my heart. How many of you are ready for that? Amen. Amen. I figure if you're going to see me a little bit, you might as well know what my heart is. I have been for the last couple of years thinking that the Lord wants the church to break out of the mold. Come on, come on. We want to break out of the usual. I believe that too. Uh, I was born in Pentecost. I was born in the fire of God and the Holy Ghost. I know what it is to see a move of God. And I know when the church is without a move of God. And I know when there's games and gimmicks being done in the pulpit. When there's anointing and when there's no anointing. And uh, I'm just that type of generation that I know we like the lights and the fog machines. But let me tell you something. I'm restoring my generation back to the power of the Holy Ghost because lights can't do it. I'm 30 years old, but let me tell you something. Here's the reason. Our gen my generation is getting away from the power of the Holy Ghost, and I come up under people who, when I walked in, well, shut up, I feel this, before I even read the Scripture. There was one time that I needed a word from God, and I, I didn't even tell this lady what I needed. Now, this is the kind of people I grew up under. I needed a word from God. I was in prayer, and I came through. I couldn't even drive. I've been preaching since I was 14, if you don't know me. And I was—I couldn't even drive yet. I came through the living room. I told my mom, I said, i got to go to this person's house. She said, well, why? I said, I don't know. God just told me that i got to go to this person's house. When I opened the kitchen door, the lady was sitting at her kitchen table and she started speaking in tongues and she said, Honey, God told me you was coming in the door. I didn't even tell her what I needed. She said, Here's the word for you. Gave me the word and I walked out the door and I said, My God, Holy Ghost, I told her what I needed before I even walked through the front door. God already told her. That's the people I come up under. Now, that's what I want my generation to restore back to. My God, we can have the games and the gimmicks if we want to, but we need to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, cast out devils. i got, I got to hurry. i got to preach this. Then I'll preach you happy. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority. Not as the scribe. He wasn't the ordinary speaker that day. They said something is different about that man. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I, we know your word is anointed, but anoint the ears of the hearers that we would receive this word with love, with truth, and with mercy. God, wake this valley up with your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Want to zero in on this? Praise God. Where the Bible says that they were astonished. Come on. 
Marvel. This man ain't like the other teachers. He teaches like one who has authority. It reminds me of the time that he was walking back on the road and he disguised himself after the resurrection and the, the, the disciples was walking with him and they said, have you not heard about this Jesus who was crucified and who was nailed to the tree? And he began to explain to them and the Bible says he began to expound on the Scriptures and he began to say, you remember the manna that came from heaven? Yeah, that was me. You remember the rock that the water drew out of? Yeah, that was me. And all of a sudden, he began to teach them and they marveled. They said, my God, this man, there's something in him that when he talked, my hearts burned within us. There's something about Jesus that makes the difference. There's something in the voice of Jesus when God speaks the Word. It doesn't have to wait for any man to confirm it. The Word will work with by itself. You remember the Roman centurion? He came to Jesus and he said, Hey, he said, My servant is sick. And Jesus said, I'll come to your house. He said, No, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. But speak the word. And at your word, my servant will be made whole. Jesus stopped and said, I haven't seen such a great faith in Israel as this man. Word. Word. Isn't it amazing that they knew? Something changed. Something was not normal about this guy. Yeah. The other scribe talked, but he didn't have authority like this man. He spoke, but man, something happened in our hearts. Something new happened. And the status quo will never be broken. And I want to tell you this, that we in the church have to get to the place where we break the status quo. Oh How many has ever heard that? Come on, yeah. Come on now. Come status on. quo. Yeah, Come on, it's just another Sunday morning. No, bless God, this is a sun, Sunday morning that the Lord hath made and we will rejoice in it. My God, it's not just another Sunday morning. It's a morning that I get to walk into the house of God, lift up my hands and inhabit the praises and the glory of Jesus. This is the morning that blind eyes could be opened. That, oh, come on, that lame men could walk. It's not just a service. It's a God type of service. I'm sorry, I get excited. You get excited. But I'm sorry. The church that I grew up in wasn't this church where we come in in, in the morning and we leave at 12 o'clock noon. No, no we, it wasn't the church I was If it takes a while, take a while. The Holy Ghost yeah. doesn't work on our time. Come on. Come on, brother. Come on now. This is a morning where it could happen. Yeah. But one of the first things that we've got to do is we've got to restore desire uh -oh. Uh -oh. in the church. Yes. Because without desire, you won't break the status quo. Oh, my God. My desire God. is number one. Come on. We've got to have a healthy desire. Yeah. Somebody said, well, what is the desire? Let me go ahead and say this. You've got, enough, you've got as much God as you want. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on, I'll explain it this way. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died on a cross. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. James said, Draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. I gave you a whole bunch of scriptures that proved to you that God ain't waiting on you, or that you're not waiting on God. 
God's waiting on you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what sin you've done. I don't care if you did it yesterday. He's waiting on you. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. How uh, Come on. We like to church it up on Sunday. Well, we're just waiting on God. God's waiting on us. He's already died for you. Every sin that you've ever committed can be washed under the blood with one simple prayer at an altar. What more can He do? He's already made you a way of an escape. All you've got to do is get in it. Well, we're waiting on God. Let me ask you something. If a tornado was coming down your street, would you wait for the basement to get in you or would you get in the basement? I would access the door and get in the basement myself where help is. You want to know where I'm going with that? Jesus said, I am the door. No man come to the Father but by me. If you're waiting on the basement to get in you, you need to open up the door, go down the steps and say, God, I'm getting out of this thing. Come on, I know where this sin leads. And I know it's coming down the road. I'm getting in the basement. I'm getting in Christ. But, oh, come on. And I don't care where you've been, what you've done. Christ loves you. He died for you. So you might be here today and you might be saying, Preacher, you're preaching a sermon about desire, but I ain't even a Christian. Well, He's waiting on you. And it don't even matter what you've done. He's waiting on you. All you've got to have is desire. Come on, desire is the driving force of prayer. This is the reason why it's so important in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus said, Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, yeah. Believe and you shall have it. But I want you to understand something that Jesus first started. He said, when you desire. In other words, the beginning point is desire. Before you ever will pray about something, you'll desire something. Let, matter of fact, my kids is a perfect example of this. If you don't give my son something that he wants, if he really wants it, can you... You know what I hear? Daddy, can I get it? Daddy, can I get it? Daddy, when we gonna get it? Daddy, when you gonna get it? Daddy, are we going to Winston today? Daddy, when you going back to town? Daddy, daddy, daddy. Look, I make a point. When you get hungry enough for God, you'll say, Daddy, 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 daddy. Daddy, it's Sunday morning again. You said you'd inhabit the praises of your people. I desire you this morning. So, Daddy, come on down, Daddy. Oh, come on. It's the driving force of prayer. Jesus rebuked the hypocrites because He said, you pray because you pray long, lengthy prayers, and you think because you pray long, lengthy prayers that you are heard in heaven. But, oh, come on, somebody. You realize that Peter got saved by just God help me? take four words. He said, save me. And God, oh, Jesus reached down. What am I saying? It don't take a long prayer. It just takes a desire from down in here. The Bible says, deep calleth unto the deep of God. I'm talking to somebody who's hungry and thirsty, and you might not even know how to express it, but something on the downside, inside of you is hungry and thirsty for something more. 
I got tired of trying to pray educated prayers. Father, how how would be that thou, thee, thy? Yeah, me too. God move. God save the sinner. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. My God, I don't know how much more simple you can get. God, do it. Because I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to preach anymore. Holy Ghost, you do the work. And I'll just be faithful to give you the glory and the honor. Glory. I feel I feel good. Desire. It was desire that caused the woman with the issue of blood. She had tried everything else. She had been to the doctors and the doctors didn't do it right. She had tried all, the Bible says she had spent all that she had, but all of a sudden she heard that Jesus was coming through the town. And she said, but if I can but touch the hem of his garment. What did it start with? It started with a desire that she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. Let me tell you something. What did Peter start off with before he walked on water? Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. Everything in the kingdom starts with a desire. You've got to want it before you see it. Yeah. That's why in my generation I want to restore some of these acts of Pentecost because let me tell you something, I believe that my generation when they see what God can do, they'll throw away these gimmicks stuff. Amen. They'll say, that's what I want. Yeah. See, that's all God needs. God needs a desire and a hunger because the Bible says they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Yeah. All you need. Yeah. You, don't, you don't need to get... Somebody said, well, I'm waiting to get everything back together and then I'll come back to church. Don't wait. Just come on back and give, give God your desire and He'll feel it. Come on, brother. That's all you need. One of the things that I was afraid of you know, or concerned about in 2020, and don't get mad at me, sometimes I get a little bit hard, but I don't mean it in love. In 2020, one of the things that I was concerned about was that the church would lose its desire. And sadly to say, after speaking to many people after 2020, can I tell you something? There is a lot of people who are not in church today, not because of sickness or illness or fear for because of the virus, but because they have lost their desire to come to the house of God. And if you don't realize that the enemy used what was used in the world to get the church away from the spiritual things of God, we are blind. Come on. Now, if you're worried about health issues and things, that's fine. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm saying this, that there is a vast majority of Christians out there today that go everywhere else, but their desire to be in the house of God has totally pumped plummet, and they're not here because the desire has left. Well, I'll look for a new church next Sunday. <laughs> David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Desire. Desire is what you get. I remember, listen, the enemy can take a lot of things, but he can't take your desire. I grew up in a house with my grandmother. Her body wrecked with illnesses, she would go to keto, she would go to dialysis. You touch her, and her paper, her skin was become like paper. But I remember as a young boy, 
I would be playing with my toys. I would be playing on PlayStation. I was that young. And I remember feeling a presence coming in my house that I could not explain. I feel it right now as I'm talking about it. I would be playing my video game and all of a sudden I'd know somebody. And then I'd go through the house and my grandmother was bed fast to the hospital bed. She couldn't even go to church. But she'd walk through the house and she'd be speaking in tongues, praying in God. And all of a sudden I'd say, I know what's happening now. Grandma's in the presence of God. I could, can I tell you something? Even though her body was sick, her desire for God never let up. She kept praying. She kept pushing. Matter of fact, the preachers would come see her. And instead of the preachers encouraging her, she'd lay hands on them and say, Father, in Jesus' name, give them the anointing to preach the gospel. I'm thinking, you're the one bed fast. Come on, brother. Shouldn't you be the one getting prayed for? <laughs> you can't take my desire. Devil, you might be able to take this or you might be able to take that, but devil, you'll never take my desire to see God move. It's the desire that caused the apostles to be driven. It's the desire that's caused Paul while he was in Roman jail and in prisons. He kept on preaching the gospel because it didn't matter what was going on on the outside. He had a desire that was greater than that. Come on. Glory. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. I remember the story where the prophet, he told, God talked to the prophet and he said, You know what? I'd be with Israel. But you know what? I'll be with Israel as long as they'll be with me. And I won't forsake them as long as they don't forsake me. But if they leave me and they forsake me, I'll leave them and I'll forsake them. Notice. Your decision, God said, I'll just do what you want me to do. I won't, I won't force anything on you. But if you leave me, I'll leave you. If you forsake me, I'll forsake you. That's fine. And he said, but the children of Israel has a tendency, prophet, to always turn to me in their calamity, in their, in their trouble. But the problem is that they don't remove the abominable things from the midst of them. And the king heard the word of the prophet or the word of God and he went throughout the city and he said, you got to remove all the abominable things out of this city because it's causing God not to be able to move in our midst anymore. My God, I wish we had some churches and some people in our life today that would say, God, if it's blocking the glory, get it out. If it's stopping you, Get it out. I don't care what it is. If it's making me not inhabitable to the glory of God, I'm ready to surrender it all. I'm ready to surrender everything. Abraham was willing to give Isaac. Yes, he was. I'm ready. Desire will cause you to lay your Isaac on the altar. Because you have a desire more for God than you do anything else. Come on, brother. Oh, I'll go ahead and tell on myself. The Lord convicted me many years ago, and I told the church this, and some of them laughed at me, but I'm telling you, it was as real as could be. I was real shy, real timid as a child. I remember I, for a long time I couldn't even talk plain. The reason why I came to Omega was because I had a disorder that I couldn't be in front of people. In Make One Grade School, they said he couldn't even talk in front of the class. He strives away from everybody. Yep. He gets away from the kids. He can't talk to people. He can't do this. 
And I had known Miss O'Brien. She went to church with me for many years. And my mom said, well, maybe if I get him to Miss O'Brien, she can help him. I came up here to this school because it was smaller. That was the reason. I came up here because it's smaller and I could be able to do it. God worked it out for my good, though. Amen. Oh, oh, yeah. So I went there. So listen, you're looking at a man who knows how that, that stuff can do. So I would go to sports games and I would go all that. And buddy, I could shout with the best of them at a WVU football game. <laughs> yeah. I was real shy. Now, listen, y'all gonna laugh at me, but I'm serious. Holy Ghost convicted me of this. this. I would go to a football game and I'd shout and I'd clap and I'd yeah, come on! What was that called? Or something like that. I come into church and I'd rather be just shy. And I'd raise my hands and I'd look around and see if anybody was looking. Yeah, come on, and the Lord convicted me. He said, if you don't give up football until you can praise me, I won't anoint you. I said, uh, that's the devil. <laughs> and I let it go by. And the Lord said, if you don't give that up, until you can give me praise in the house of God like you can in a football game. I, really I won't anoint you. I really do. You talking about a desire? I went to church the next Sunday. I said, <laughs> I remember them singing. It was the deadest song you could sing. And I said, Woo! <laughs> and I said, God, now can I watch football again? <laughs> if I can do it here, I can do it back. Somebody said, Well, that's crazy. No, I refuse to give something else more praise than I do God. I refuse. I refuse to sacrifice anything more for anything else than this right here. Praise God. Well, that's what's good, right, trail. But anyways, so the king took out all the abominable things, and the Lord said this. He said, "In Judah, rejoice at the earth." For her at the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. When is the church going to see a move of God when we seek him with all our desire? When is God going to move on our circumstance when we seek him with our whole desire? Let me tell you, there was a spirit that day in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus walked in. And they began to cry out against Jesus. Let me tell you the reason why that spirit cried out against Jesus. It's because Jesus was the embodiment of the movement of God. Let me, let me clarify this. If you want to find the will of God, find what Jesus said or find what Jesus did and that's the will of God. Because He did only that which the Father told Him to do. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Jesus stood up in the synagogue and said that God hath anointed me with the Holy Ghost to do a go about doing good to all those who are oppressed of the enemy and to proclaim good news to the poor. Amen. Jesus was... Matter of fact, you can't get a better move of God than that what Jesus did. Come on, and if you're looking for a move of God that is not in the book, you're looking for a demonic activity. Yes, come on, brother. We've got to stay in the parameters of what Jesus did. He is perfect. Will of God. He raised the dead. Come on. Yes. The church can raise the dead. Yes. He healed the sick. The church can heal the sick. Yes. 
He welcomed in sinners who needed a Savior. That's the perfect will of God. Jesus was the embodiment of the will of God in flesh. So what this Spirit did was when Jesus walked in, they realized movement walked in. And they realized that somebody was there that desired more than just a Sunday morning religion activity. Now here's what I ask. How long did the man sit in that synagogue and not have to cry out? Like I said, I, listen, guys, I, I'm preaching this because I want to wait for my generation. I'm not trying to be hard for being hard shaped and say, I want to wake in my generation. But I wonder how many times that man walked into that same synagogue, sat in the same pew, and nobody had enough God in them to tell that man or to cause that demon to rise up out of him and cry out. But all of a sudden, the moment Jesus stepped in the room, He said, wait a minute, there's something going on in Zion. There's some, there's some the movement. I, I can't stay here any longer because somebody has come in. My God, how long? How long? He said movement has come. Listen, it's the same spirit that is crying out against the church today. Yes. Every time a move of God begins to happen. Yeah. Yes. I've seen it. See, I'm just 30 years old, but when you've been in church all your life, <laughs> you see a lot. And I've seen that when the move of God happens, get ready. Somebody's going to cry out against it. Somebody's going to say, well, I just don't believe that. Somebody's going to say, well, if you knew who he was. Well, if you knew who she was. I wonder why Jesus sent a woman who was caught in the act of adultery back to a city to testify. Come on. Because He uses broken people to bring glory to God. And if we can't get over the hang-ups of who they used to be, you'll never see a Lazarus come out of the grave. I, I won't get done with this message, but this is good anyway. See, man, I, 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 I love the story when Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb. And He went there and the woman said, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, he'll live again. And she said, oh, I know he'll live again in the future resurrection. I know he'll live again in that day. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand what I'm talking. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And if I go to his tomb, he'll come out of that grave. And he'll live and not die. So they take him to the tomb. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. They said, Lord, by now he stinks. Come on. He said, roll away the stone. He stands afar off and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Now this is what your Bible says. He was bound up in grave clothes. And all of a sudden, Lazarus told the rest of them, boys, i got to get out of here. Jesus just called my name. And I don't have a choice, but i got to go. Now, this is the way I picture him coming out of that grave. And he was bound so much that Jesus looked at the men on the side and said, Lucy. 
and letting go. You want to know where the church is in that story? We ought to be loosing people and letting them go. We shouldn't be standing back saying, do you see their great clothes? You see what they got on? You see what they just come out of? Yeah, they might have some drug clothes on that they used to be in, but if God called them out, you cut them loose and let them go. Let them preach the gospel. Oh, glory. It's that same spirit that cried out against David. You remember when David went up to feed his brothers? Yeah, and they heard he heard the voice of Goliath defying the armies of God. And David said, Let me go out there. The Lord's already done some stuff for me. He already delivered the lion and the bear. He delivered those into my hands. Yeah. And instead of saying, David, you go out there and you fight him. Because if God's working on your behalf, you can deliver the people. Instead of being happy about God using David to destroy a lion and a bear, they started ridiculing him and making fun of him and said, shouldn't you be back with the sheep? Who's watching the sheep of your pasture? Who? And then they started making fun of him. It's that same spirit that was trying to discourage David because the spirit knew that if David walked out into the valley, the battle was over. Who do you think tells you before you come into the house of God, you shouldn't go in there and praise God like that. You know who you are. You know where you've been. You know what you've done. Well, devil, look at here. Because I'm not going to let you discourage me from moving in God. I know that when I step in the valley of Elam, the giant is going to fall. And so David went out and he fought the giant and he killed the giant. But it was after the Spirit began to do it. Began to try to discourage you. And say, well, you shouldn't go, David. You're just... Even to the point that Saul said, here, let, let me give you my armor. Yeah. David said, I, I can't wear your armor. This ain't been tested. This ain't been tried. And when David went out into the valley, he looked at that giant and the giant said, you sent out a dog to fight me? And David looked at him and said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I'm going to tell you something. I come to you in the name of the Lord. The, the, the thing that we miss is that they thought David went out there unarmored. David was armored from head to toe. He just didn't have any earthly armor on. But when you're walking in the name of the Lord from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you're covered from the lip. My God, the church don't need somebody coming in trying to tell us how. Just get Jesus on your side. And He'll be behind you. He'll be on the side of you. He'll be in front of you. He'll be over top of you. He'll be underneath you. And everywhere you go, the enemy will know that I can't mess with Him. He's fully armored. Praise God. Praise God. I, I got I to go. I, I, listen, first impressions, they say if you... Uh, cut grass. They say cut it short. <laughs> and you don't have to cut. Listen, if I cut it short, will y'all have me back? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same spirit that caused the children of Israel to settle in the wilderness. 
They sent up 12 spies. 10 of them come back. I'm summarizing. I'm trying to hurry. 10 of them come back and said, we can't do it. Yeah. We can't do it. Them, them things are giants in that land. Compared to them, we're grasshoppers. But the Bible says in Numbers 14, 24, but Caleb had a different spirit. Had a different spirit. And he had followed, followed me fully. And if the Bible says because of their unbelief, the Bible says that the rest of them fell, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. But God said because Caleb had a mentality that I'm not staying in the wilderness, I'm coming out of this thing and I'm possessing the land that God has given me. He said, I'll give it to Caleb, but I won't give it to the rest of them. I wish the church would get the mentality, I'm not staying here anymore. I'm not staying the same way. If I come into this house, let me say this, what I told somebody the other day. I said, a New Testament church should never have a reason not to have a move of the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's right. Well, the devil was there and he bound us up. Unbound yourself. Yeah. He's giving you the authority. Come on. Clear off your mind. The long reason why the enemy has a right in us is because we give him the authority. That's right. Yeah. It's the same spirit that spoke out against Jesus in Mark chapter 5 when he delivered a demoniac of Gadara. And instead of people saying, yeah, Jesus, they looked at Jesus and they said, can you depart? Yeah. Because you're, you're disturbing the, the, the city. Over 2020, I heard so many prophecies. The White House was going to be turned to God. Can I be honest? We better turn the church back to God before we turn the White House back to God. And I know we want to turn the church house back to God, but my God, can we get our people praying again? So that we don't have to depend on somebody else to teach our kids how to call on God? Matter of fact, my son, before I left the house this morning, do you know what my son did? I, he was in bed watching his iPad. I reached my head down. I said, Bubby, Daddy's going to preach. He laid his hands on my head and he said, Jesus anointed. I'm not going to let somebody else teach my kid how to lay hands on my head and pray for me. Somebody said, well, he's just six. It didn't mean nothing. No, I believe God heard the prayer and he said, hey, 